You're listening to Wiley Connected, a series of podcasts on tech, law, and policy. In each podcast, technology-focused lawyers at Wiley Ryan, a Washington, D.C. law firm, break down innovation in law with a uniquely D.C. perspective. This is Sarah and Josh Talk About Drones, an occasional podcast in which Sarah Baxenberg and Josh Turner talk about cutting-edge legal questions facing the unmanned aircraft systems industry. Welcome to the second episode of our podcast, Sarah and Josh Talk About Drones. Uh, and this podcast will address an important question. Hey, Sarah, can I shoot down a drone? No, Josh, you can't. <laughs> this is one of the most common questions people ask us as drone lawyers. I think they're mostly joking, um, but I think there's an element of seriousness to it, too. And I think part of that is because um, people are, well, I mean, some people might just want to shoot down drones. But other people, I think, are just motivated by a nervousness or a a lack of confidence about this technology and about who's using this technology and and what they're doing it for and how intrusive it might be. And so I think it comes from a a real place of concern. Um, But to the extent that they're asking it seriously and they really want to know whether they can shoot down a drone, um, the answer is no. And you can't jam drones either or spoof them or use other electronic uh, means to try and uh, disrupt them or knock them out of the air. And there's a few reasons for that that we'll go into. And what's interesting is that's true even if you're a law enforcement officer. Uh, Even local law enforcement is bound by these regulations that we'll talk about in a minute. And as a result, uh, local law enforcement is pretty constrained uh, with what they can do if if they come across a drone that, uh, you know, they're concerned about. So, Sarah, why can't I shoot down a drone? The first reason that comes to mind is that it's probably or almost definitely a felony. So Title 18 is the federal criminal code, and it Section 32 prohibits uh, very broadly interference with aircraft. So the statute was designed to stop terrorists from bringing down airplanes, but it's written really broadly. The exact language... Uh, says that whoever willfully sets fire to, damages, destroys, disables, or wrecks any aircraft may be fined or even imprisoned up to 20 years. So that would be the first reason that you definitely should not shoot down your drone. I imagine that the drafters of this provision didn't envision sending someone to jail for 20 years for shooting down a quadcopter, not least because these statutes well predate um, kind of the proliferation of commercial and small drones that we've seen in recent years. But, I mean, you've heard the language. It's written broadly, and small drones are definitely aircraft. That's something that the FAA and kind of case law have solidified, and shooting one down is undoubtedly damaging or destroying it. We've seen a couple of high-profile cases or kind of news reports about people taking the, uh, you know, neighbor's quadcopter into their own hands by shooting it down. And one of the most well-known was ones was a case out of Kentucky um, that we'll talk about. But even there, we didn't see criminal charges brought. We haven't seen in practice uh, Section 32 being uh, used against someone who shot down a drone. Right. And, and so that's why there's still some doubt that Section 32 applies. But as, um, as Sarah said, it's an incredibly uh, uh, broad statute. Um, and, and there seems little doubt that it would apply to a drone. But even if it doesn't, that doesn't mean you should shoot down a drone. And the second reason why you shouldn't shoot down a drone is that you might get sued. Um, even if there are no criminal penalties, uh, there is still the possibility that the drone owner will come after you 
uh, for damages as a result of you shooting down his drone. And that's actually what happened. The, the Kentucky case that you mentioned, Sarah, um, where the drone owner was flying his drone uh, and the drone slayer, I think he dubbed himself, came yes, out with a shotgun. the drone slayer. Is <laughs> the drone slayer. Uh, came out with a shotgun and shot it down. No criminal charges filed, and everyone thought that would be the end of it. Uh, but then the drone owner came back and filed a suit in federal court and said, you interfered with my right of navigation. Um, you uh, interfered with my drone ownership, and I, I want some money as recompense for the drone that you shot down. Now, that case was dismissed from federal court on jurisdictional grounds because there were some jurisdictional issues with the way that he had pled the complaint. And so we don't have a solid answer on how much merit there is to the idea that you can recover damages for interfering with federal navigation or for the idea that 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 kind of federal navigational right applies to unmanned aircraft flying at low altitudes. Um, we just don't know at this point how, how strong that kind of argument would be. But there certainly is a solid argument that you do have a right as an aircraft owner and operator to traverse the national airspace. The national airspace is uh, controlled by the federal government. Uh, there are rights of, of navigation that are certainly implied in the uh, FAA's statute. Uh, and, and as a result of that, um, I think there's a pretty strong argument that you have the ability to fly where you want to fly. Now, there is uh, a fair amount of debate in the unmanned aircraft community um, about whether or not the immediate reaches of real estate or of property uh, are something that an owner can exclude drones from. We don't really know what immediate reaches are. This comes from a case called Cosby, a Supreme Court case from 1946 that long predates uh, modern drones. Um, and there, the, the farmer uh, was complaining about um, flights overhead from Air Force fighters and bombers that were disrupting his chicken farm. They were scaring his chickens, essentially. From a really low altitude, I think 83 feet. I think that's right. Yeah. at some point. And so you can imagine how disruptive that would be to have these four-engined heavy bombers flying over at 83 feet. You know, we sort of joke about it, but you can imagine if you're a chicken farmer, that would actually really disrupt your business. Um, and so he brought a, a takings claim against the federal government and, uh, you know, said, look, you've destroyed my farm by flying these big heavy planes over it at low altitudes. And allowing that case to proceed, the Supreme Court acknowledged that there very well might be something called the quote-unquote immediate reaches of property where you could exclude, exclude aircraft from flying. But the actual holding of Cosby, if you go back and read it, the actual holding of Cosby is that the airspace is a public good and that as a result, the federal government can actually take possession of it in a, a sort of eminent domain kind of way. And I think, you know, in that sense, the holding of Cosby is almost the opposite of what people think it is. Uh, a lot of people interpret, you know, Sarah, you said 83 feet as being some sort of bright line in the sky um, that Cosby said was sacrosanct and below 83 feet, you just can't fly. But that's not at all what the, the holding of Cosby was. And it's a big challenge for those of us trying to kind of help promote the industry and kind of have reasonable restrictions in place when you have property owners and stakeholders on that side saying, no, no, after Cosby, you know, there should be a line in the sky. There is a line in the sky where I have some control over the property that's above my airspace, and that's part of my property as a property owner. 
Yeah, and, and we're seeing that play out um, in something called the Uniform Law Commission, which is a, a group of folks who've been set up and it, it generally applies in the legal industry. It's not specific to drones. They've been set up to promote uniform law adoption throughout the state. So they dra- draft a model statute and then present it to the state legislatures who are then free to either adopt it or change it. And as part of that process, they're taking on this question of tort law with respect to drones and when it becomes an invasion of privacy and whether or not you have the right to exclude. And the current draft of the tort law relating to drones that the Uniform Law Commission is thinking about would set a bright line in the sky at 200 feet, actually. And just to kind of make clear kind of how troubling that is. So currently under the FAA's rule, commercial drones are authorized to operate up to 400 feet. So if you set a line at 200 feet, under which it's a per se tort to enter into the airspace of a private property owner without their permission, you're cutting the airspace in half. And also that lower altitude airspace below the 200 feet is where all of the innovative you know, drone operations that people are really looking forward to are going to happen. You package delivery and, um, you know, even aerial photography, a lot of it is is taking place and needs to take place at that lower altitude. Right. So it's, it's unclear how far that proposal is going to get. I think there's been a lot of pushback from industry on that and a lot of concern that it's really going to hamper for the reasons, uh, Sarah, that you said, that it's going to hamper the way in which the industry is going to develop. Um, and the other thing to, to keep in mind, since what we're talking about here is not just federal preemption, we're talking about shooting down drones. It's important to keep in mind that even if uh, the Uniform Law Commission moves ahead and sets that bright line in the sky, and even if you as a property owner have a right to exclude drones, that doesn't mean you have a right to shoot them down any more than you have the right to shoot a trespasser who comes into your yard. You know, state laws are going to vary on that, and, and there might be other issues that are implicated under the state criminal code. But as a general matter, you, you can't just go around shooting things, and that's true whether they're in the sky or on the ground. And it's also, you know, Section 32 of the Federal Criminal Code is still there, right? So even if property rights are defined in a new way, now that we have this whole new class of aircraft that's operating at low altitudes, it's still probably almost definitely a felony to shoot a drone down over your property. Right. And so I think a lot of people then say, well, okay, I mean, I'm kidding, sort of kidding. I'm not going to actually take a shotgun out and, and shoot down a drone. But what it, what if I jam a drone? Or what if I have, you know, I've seen a lot of these products advertised. The one is marketed as the drone rifle. It's not actually a rifle. It shoots electromagnetic uh, rays. And the idea is that it jams the control links for the drones and it makes the drone return to home or it knocks the drone out of the sky. But it does it by jamming the radio rather than uh, actually physically harming it. Um, Is that something that I can do? Answer still no. And I mean, for the reasons we've already discussed, there's no real reason uh, that we can see from a legal perspective why downing a drone through one of those ways that you mentioned would be any different um, in terms of the application of the federal criminal code and the ability of the drone owner to sue you. In addition, you also have some other interesting laws at play, uh, both in the Communications Act and also other parts of Title 18 of the Federal Criminal Code. Um, You have computer fraud laws that prohibit tampering with software of the owner of a computer without their permission. And then you also have Section 333 of the Communications Act, which prohibits interfering with uh, radio frequency signals. Yeah, and, and that prohibition is quite broad and, you know, has been applied 
outside the drone context in a lot of different ways. It comes up a lot in the cell phone uh, circumstance, especially when you're talking about cell phones in prisons. There's a, a big, you know, has been over the past several years, big uh, concern about uh, inmates with cell phones and can prisons, you know, deploy cell phone jammers? And the answer is no. Uh, the answer is, as a general matter, and, and the prison cell phone thing is subject to its own set of procedural stuff that we won't need to get into, but as a general matter, even local law enforcement officials um, can't go out and jam signals, even if doing so would potentially be sort of in the public interest. The FCC has looked at Section 333, and they've said, you know, it means what it says. It's very broad. You're not permitted to um, interfere with willfully or maliciously interfere with radio communications. And as a result, what that means is you can't operate a jammer. And not only can you not operate a jammer, you can't offer a a jammer for sale and you can't market a jammer. And the FCC has been very active in enforcing those provisions against people who do market those sorts of jammers. So I think it, it would be our view that there isn't such a thing as a lawful drone jammer and anything that is being sold or marketed as such to anyone uh, in the civilian world is is very likely illegal. So the interesting thing is that we've seen in the federal context, there's kind of a different framework at place. Federal agencies are interested in drone countermeasures and are interested in figuring out what they can do to uh, mitigate the threat of drones over critical infrastructure and military installations. And NTIA, the agency within the Department of Commerce that is responsible for managing federal government use of spectrum, has taken the position that it can authorize signal jamming on, you know, kind of a limited case-by-case basis working with specific federal agencies like the FBI. So that's something that we've seen, and that process isn't really clear, but we know at least at the federal level there is some room for signal jamming that theoretically would also enable uh, drone rifles uh, used by federal agencies, but not at the civilian or even state and local law enforcement level. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think a lot of people would be surprised just how restrictive the regulations are, even on federal interdiction with drones. At this point, Congress has authorized the Department of Defense to take action against drones when those drones pose a threat to certain covered facilities, and that's defined in the statute. But it's it's fairly tightly defined in the statute. But what that means is that civilian agencies like the Department of Justice or the Department of Homeland Security don't actually have the authority to go out and uh, interdict drones or take drones down. Um, And in fact, you know, agents operating pursuant to that authority are covered by Title 18 just like everyone else is and are subject to potential liability if they destroy or damage a drone under that criminal code. And what we've seen in the congressional authorization that uh, gave Department of Defense the ability to, to take down drones is that they actually carve out that, that section of Title 18 and they say, you know, when operating under this authority, you're not covered by that provision of Title 18. There has been some action on the Hill recently, some effort to try and extend that authority beyond the Department of Defense to some of those civilian agencies, most likely DOJ and DHS. There are different bills that are currently being floated. It's not clear where those are going to go. The White House has floated a proposal that would give this kind of authority to DHS and and DOJ. There's some disagreement about exactly how broad that would be, how many employees would be covered, whether it would extend to contractors and what kinds of facilities would be covered. Those are all details that that ultimately will be need to be worked out. But one of the concerns is that you do this in a way that's safe and that you do it in a way that doesn't interfere with manned aviation or with any of the other sort of uses of the of the national airspace. 
And I also think that one piece that's going to help the drone countermeasures problem is remote ID, which we talked about in our last podcast a little bit. But basically, it's the idea that the security stakeholders have raised that in order for drones to operate safely um, in the national airspace on the scale that we're talking about with this vast commercial proliferation of drones, law enforcement, security agencies need a way to identify a drone that's in flight and uh, also to track drones as well. So the FAA is currently thinking about what remote ID should look like. And we mentioned in our last podcast that there needs to be a legislative fix for it to apply broadly and include uh, hobbyist users. But I think once you have a system in place that allows law enforcement to identify drones, the problem of needing to take them out of the sky immediately becomes a little bit less of a concern. I think you're absolutely right. And that is one of the things that we're going to need to see before, uh, you know, there's sort of widespread adoption of extended operations. And hopefully because of the interaction that you just talked about, we'll see once there is extended operations and remote ID, there will be a lot less nervousness about drones operating, a lot less interest in going out with a shotgun and and blowing them out of the sky. Um, And I think the other thing to keep in mind is that while we're talking about stuff that's going on on the Hill and, and potential new authorities, none of those apply to private citizens. And there isn't any real... Um, There's not a strong shoot down the drone in my yard lobby in Congress right now. (laughs) Not yet. No. So I I think where we're going to end up with this is that, um, you know, as these drones become more and more uh, common and as they're used for more and more things, um, people are going to be less concerned about them and there won't be as much interest in, in taking them out, I hope. Uh, and we'll see a gradual evolution of, you know, the authorities necessary for uh, f- federal government officials to take the action against these drones if they if they think it's necessary. So the main takeaway from our second podcast, hey, Sarah, can I shoot down a drone? Sarah says, no, you can't. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for that. And they are legal and policy oriented. And so Josh agrees uh, that you can't shoot down a drone. And if you have shot down a drone and you need assistance, or if you want to um, think about other ways in which you know this issue might affect you or any of the other stuff that we've talked about interests you, please feel free to give us a call. We're happy to talk about this um, in more detail and apply any of these issues to your particular situation. Especially since the crossover of aviation and telecommunications is one of our favorite spaces. This has been the second podcast of Sarah and Josh Talk About Drones. The material contained in this podcast has been gathered by Wiley Ryan for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be and is not considered to be legal advice. Transmission is not intended to create and receipt does not establish an attorney-client relationship. Legal advice of any nature should be sought from legal counsel.